Welcome to This Week in Water for June 1st, 2014. I'm Franny Halperin. And I'm Jamie Sudler. And here are some of the stories from this week's news. Is there such a thing as a drought-proof water supply? Some people in Southern California hope so, and they believe they are currently building it. 35 miles north of San Diego, construction is underway on the largest desalination plant in the Western Hemisphere. The plant will cost about $1 billion and will supply 50 million gallons of water for San Diego County. Those in favor of the plant say it is an engineering marvel that has had to overcome six years of permitting and 14 lawsuits by environmentalists. Those who oppose the plant argue that it will use vast amounts of energy and do great damage to fish and other marine wildlife by sucking in seawater through intakes at an old power plant. An environmental lawyer, Marco Gonzalez, told the San Jose Mercury that this project could be the pig that will try for years to find the right shade of lipstick. An acre foot of desalinated drinking water costs about twice that of an acre foot from the Colorado River, where San Diego gets much of its existing water supplies. The Carlsbad plant is expected to come online in 2016, and everyone is watching to see if it can successfully deliver water at a reasonable cost without harming ecosystems. There are plans to build at least three big desalination plants in Southern California and one or two in Northern California, and as many as 15 more are being considered. When Lewis and Clark first came upon the West Slope cutthroat trout near Great Falls, Montana back in 1804, they knew they'd found something special. So special that they named the little critter after themselves. The cutthroat went on to be the state fish of Montana and a highly sought after prize for anglers all over the West. But the iconic fish may be nearing its end, a victim of climate change and human intervention. Cutthroats thrive in high, cold mountain streams and need just the right amount of spring snowmelt to spawn. As stream waters have warmed due to climate change, non-native rainbow trout, introduced in the late 1800s, are moving upstream and cross-breeding with the cutthroat. So what, you may say? A trout is a trout is a trout, right? Well, not necessarily. According to a study published in Nature Climate Change, these hybrid trout are less fit, and that reduced fitness impairs their ability to produce offspring and have that offspring survive. The study provides what researchers believe is the first empirical evidence of how global warming is promoting invasive hybridization and habitat loss. And in the case of the ruby-throated native fish, it could mean extinction. An article in the Smithsonian Magazine is warning of the unintended consequences of sea lanes opening in the Arctic. In the past 30 years, the Arctic region has warmed more than any other area in the world. The melting has opened up a northwest passage for shipping that has been sought after for more than 300 years and was in part the inspiration for the Lewis and Clark expedition. 
In September last year, a Danish commercial ship was the first to cross the Arctic delivering coal from Vancouver, Canada to Pori, Finland. It was estimated that the direct costs saved by traveling through the Arctic instead of the Panama Canal were $200,000 and four days of time. But scientists are concerned about the indirect costs of using the Northwest Passage because the ships may bring with them invasive species to various ports. Water in ballast tanks may be the culprit. Ships use water pumped into ballast tanks to lower the ship's center of gravity. To do this, they take in water at one place and then discharge it in another. The discharged water can contain invasive species such as the zebra mussel that has colonized the Great Lakes and caused billions of dollars of damage. About two weeks ago, a well operated by SW Energy Corp. failed, releasing thousands of gallons of chemical-laden fluid down a wash that feeds into the Green River about 50 miles north of Moab, Utah. The well leaked for more than 30 hours as operators frantically tried to stem the flow and contain the damage with the help of the Bureau of Land Management and others. According to the BLM, intense thundershower activity overcame containment measures and carried a small amount of fluid into the wash and ultimately into the Green River, which is the largest tributary to the Colorado. The BLM's Beth Bransell said that the fluid that traveled down the wash was produced water, water from oil extraction that includes salts, metals, and other subsurface materials. It also contains some oil. The conclusion that only a small amount of contamination reached the Green River is being challenged by several groups. Groups like the Utah Rivers Council, the Sierra Club, Living Rivers, and Colorado Riverkeeper all say the figure is closer to 100,000 gallons. Additionally, an amateur photographer 30 miles downstream took a photo of a giant plume of oil on the river. The spill is the third to occur in the state in just three months. Tim Wagner with the Sierra Club in Salt Lake City had stark warnings for Los Angeles and Las Vegas, cities that get their drinking water from the Colorado. He said that Utah is courting more oil development, and that assures that more spills will occur in the future. That sentiment was echoed by Peter Nichols, National Director of Waterkeeper Alliance, who said that downstream cities cannot trust Utah to keep their water supply clean. The New Mexico jumping mouse may soon be listed as an endangered species by federal wildlife officials, and in doing so they want to set aside habitat for the mouse along streams and wetlands in at least 12 counties in New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado. The feds have locked out cattle ranchers from access to a small creek in Otero County, New Mexico. The ranchers are protesting, and on May 31st, several hundred people came out to rally for what they called private property rights, which they feel are being overtaken by the federal government. In an act of defiance, the commissioners of Otero County have unanimously authorized the sheriff to open a gate, allowing the cattle to get to the water over U.S. Forest Service land.
They say they are reacting to the infringement of U.S. government on their water rights. The environmental group Wild Earth Guardians has stated that ranchers and their supporters fail to understand that just because they have a grazing permit, the forests do not belong to them to exploit as they wish. Instead, the group points out that the U.S. forests belong to all Americans. County officials are not persuaded, however. They are actually looking into filing criminal charges and civil suits against the feds. A Republican congressman, Steve Pierce, stated that these disputes could easily be avoided if federal bureaucrats would stick to their constitutional oath and respect property rights. However, it appears Pierce is urging the Forest Service to ignore federal laws and regulations that protect endangered species. Wild Earth Guardians points out that the 23 acres the Forest Service is fencing off to protect the mouse is a tiny portion of the almost 29,000 acres that ranchers can use to water their cattle. And lastly, for many people, plastic is synonymous with environmental degradation. It's made from fossil fuels, and once discarded, goes into landfills or creates garbage heaps in our oceans. Currently, according to research from Columbia University, about 34 million tons of plastic waste is generated every year in the United States, and only about 7% is recycled. Then came a hopeful development, bioplastics, renewable plastic made from plant cellulose. But problems persisted. For one, bioplastics don't fully degrade and they're not as easy to mold as petroleum-based materials. Until now, perhaps. Researchers at Harvard have developed a fully degradable plastic made from shrimp shells. The new bioplastic is made from chitosan, a type of chitin, the second most abundant organic material on Earth. Chitin makes up the outer shell of crustaceans and the armor-like cuticles of insects as well as butterfly wings. The chitin-based plastic has many of the same properties as synthetic plastics, but without the environmental impact. According to the researchers, chitosan plastic breaks down in just a few weeks. What's more, they release rich nutrients that support future plant growth. Even better, chitosan plastics are cheap and tough, and they they can be used to mass-produce complex 3D objects like cell phones and toys. Sounds like a shrimpy solution to a very large problem, if you ask us. This Week in Water is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise, whose mission is to promote the efficient use of Colorado's water. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.